Welcome to the podcast, Cutting for Sign. I'm Ron Cecil, men's life coach and writer, together with my co-host, best friend and artist, Daniel Penner-Klein. Throughout our lives and as friends over the past decade, we've asked, how do we find the clues and puzzle pieces that align us with our higher potential? Join us as we converse with experts, artists, adventurers, mental health professionals, and fellow deep thinkers as we cut for sign and attune our own potential, mental health, and creativity. Bad white men call him the devil. The Yavapai call him eyes like the sky. Hey everybody, welcome to Cutting for Sign. Whew. What's up, Ron big guy? Cecil here. Good to see you, Daniel. Oh man, thanks. Deep breaths, buddy. We can do this. We got In this. In through the nose. <laughs> Oh yeah. Out, out through the ears. Out through my blazing nostrils. <laughs> do you ever when you were a kid, do you do you ever plug your nose and then blow as hard as you can and no. let make air come out your eyeballs? No, you psycho. I, I can still do that. What don't do that? No. Yeah. I'm serious. Yeah. <laughs> it comes out right here, but you don't get any oxygen from it. It's not like breathing. What? Uh <laughs> who taught you how to do that? Why'd you do that? Uh, that's a good question. I don't remember. <laughs> Does it not hurt your ears? Because that's a move you do when you're scuba diving. Too. The first thing that happens is your ears pop. And then if you go harder, you get a hernia. And then if you go a little harder after that, <laughs> your hair comes out. Your, your heart compresses <laughs> the whole time you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Heart attack is the one after the eyes. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Were you the kind of kid that could like snort a spaghetti noodle through his nose? No, 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 no. I didn't like that stuff. What, did you like turn your eyelids inside out? Because that's no, I didn't do that. No, 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 none of that. No. Could, could you, you gleek? Stop, stop acting like you weren't a weirdo. I kid. guess I had my one. That was my. <laughs> that was my one. <laughs> I I could gleek sometimes after a yawn for some reason. If I go like this. <laughs> He's biting about, his lower lip. He's biting about, his lower lip for, for about lip. two minutes. Yeah. Then I can and I can gleek. Then I can gleek once. <laughs> I have to load what, it. What a first of all strange <laughs> word that somehow we all know. Yeah. Totally. Where the fuck did it come from? Yeah. Why was it a thing that we did as kids? Yeah. It's like a little. It's like get, teaching the lower your undercarriage of your tongue to like squirt out a tiny amount of, of yeah. very viscous spit. And it was really in for a couple of years. It was like yo-yoing. It was very it came in, and, and it felt like the kids who did it were all the <laughs> asshole kids who would also like That's flick true. your ear. It was like the kind of kids who would flick your ear from behind or like pull your seat out while you're sitting down. Yeah, those things are from the fifties, man. Flicking the ears. Oh. Ugh. Ah. That that would yeah, anyways. Yeah, no, I I wasn't really like very talented at stuff, but I, I would get I would have my own version of things. I I the weird things I one of the weird things I got into was I learned how to pick up cigarettes off the off the ground, take the, <laughs> take the cigarette butt off of the cigarette, uh -huh. take the wrapper off of half of the cigarette butt, puff, puff it out, tape it to an eraser that I had then threaded a needle through and made blowgun darts out of those things with rolled up newspaper. Whoa! Not rolled up newspaper. Okay. Rolled, rolled up a. Uh, uh, Spitwads. School school paper. I mean, they were spitwads, but with needles in them. I made blow oh, darts. And it would stick? Oh, dude, I could shoot anything with that. I mean, like, I could hit bullseye on my, <clears throat> on my, uh, on my like, uh, darts board. But that's all I had. 
That's pretty amazing. I remember doing the same thing with like, you would undo a, you would unwrap us, what do they call it? A paper clip. And then yeah. you would make them oh, spring. Yeah. Make a little but spring. Then you, you could also like make little bow and arrow types of things out of them. Like make little yeah. flicker things. Yeah. 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 That, that was, wow, this is bringing back some childhood memes. This is like a prison, prison, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, craft at school. That's funny because all the people who were really good at that when I was a kid are probably in prison. Probably in prison. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know Sam loves to be on time, so let's let him in. Okay. Okay. Hey, all right. Handsome Sam. Handsome Sam. <laughs> okay. Hi, Sam. Welcome. Sam Lamont, you are an artist, writer, and host of the How to Human podcast, which explores how to acquire acquire the psychological skills needed to thrive as an adult. How to Human was featured on iTunes, New and Noteworthy, as well as Apple's Top 200 podcasts in both health and self-help. Sam, you are also owner of Square One Studio in San Anselmo, California, and founder of Hello Humans, a platform for storytellers to share their trials and capture the truth of what it means to be human. You are also co-author of the New York Times bestseller, Some Assembly Required. Sam, you describe yourself as a single dad, college dropout, and ex-meth head who at the age of 22 came out of a 10-year bender with a severe clinical depression, a two-year-old, and zero life skills. You know that life is more than what we show the world on social media, that it's often much messier, but that the lessons learned from those messes are as valuable as anything on this adventure and creation of being human. Additionally, Sam, in my year of knowing and creating with you, you have proven to be dogged in your commitment to both self-betterment and the projects that have captured you. You've become a friend, someone I can call for personal and professional support, and a fierce advocate for the transformation of the primordial energies we find ourselves steeped within into the woven gold we call story. Sam Lamont, welcome to Cutting for Sun. Wow, thanks, Daniel. It's almost like we're good friends or something. That's the best intro I've ever had. <laughs> oh, <awesome. laughs> That's cool. Yeah, yeah, it comes from the heart, man. Uh, you know, we were talking a little bit about what we wanted to uh, focus on today. It's something we've been doing with Cutting for Sun is, um, experimenting with bringing a topic to the table that would be near and dear to all of us that can kind of keep the gravity of the conversation. And um, we were hoping you'd be up to talk about the value of stories. Oh, and, hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was either, it was either story or it was tax deductions <laughs> and we couldn't, couldn't figure out which one we wanted to land on. And so I just flipped a coin and it was story. Ron was pulling for taxes and I was like, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I can't help with taxes because I generally have to extend it as far as possible and then cry with a friend <laughs> the last possible day that I can do it. It's normally Reese. He's just sitting there with me like, come on, man, this we're finishing this today. Like, <laughs> Got this. Uh, but I can't help with story. We could start with the fact that it's my uh, assertion that we are more story than biological material because when the bio biological material dies, the story remains. Oh, wow. damn. That's cool. Dude, that gave me some goosebumps, Sam. Yeah, so I, I think it? that's kind of the interesting part is that like some part of your grandparents or if your parents are no longer with you, your parents or whoever you've lost, 
is still alive and they played a part in writing that story and also everybody that danced with them played a part of writing that story and it's fragmented so there's 30 different versions or 300 different versions or 3000 different versions depending on how many people you interacted with in your lifetime a hundred percent yeah wow oh yeah man there's a and lot you can't of control that either you know like you put it out there but the, it, it hits me a lot how little we can control the perception of others to our to the the telling of their story the telling of our story through and as part of their story and it's just like it's kind of daunting the versions of ourselves that are out there in people's minds and that we can't control them and when we can't control them you know, and if they're telling a story we don't like, you know, just, it's really challenging to let go of that sometimes, I notice. Yeah, and it's, you see that actually played out with real kind of what we would normally call stories, like let's say a book. Like the book The Hobbit is really important to a friend of mine. He has like Gandalf tattoos and yeah. all kinds of stuff all over <laughs> his body. But I could read the same exact book and it could have something completely different to me. So we look at it as like, oh, this is The Hobbit. But then there's also, what is The Hobbit to Joey? And what yeah. is the Hobbit to Sam? And in the same way, we are that same kind of story where you look at it and you're like, oh, that's Daniel. Exactly. That's Ron. Yeah. But there's Ron from the seventh grade when he was a complete bastard of a boyfriend to this one girl. And that story lives on. I did somewhere. cheat yeah. in seventh grade. I did. I did do that. <laughs> cheated in seventh grade? I cheated. Yep. I cheated on my seventh oh my grade girlfriend. God. I had my heart broken in seventh grade, but I was like, I was too not sexually active to be any threat to <laughs> in, in my defense, it was a 15-year-old girl who who like took advantage of me. I just couldn't say no. It was How could you? How could uh, you? Yeah. That's a good point. You know, Sam and Ron, do you both how do you deal with when someone they, let's say you care about has a different story about you locked in their mind and they keep telling it and they believe it and it's not the truth from your perspective? And that and maybe that hurts because you do care about them have you ever been in that kit in that situation and how i am you in that them? right now i'm in that right now too wow okay <laughs> should i yeah. go first yeah go first i'm in a situation where with several close friends we all have totally different opinions of what went down yeah we all have our own evidence of what went down <laughs> and, and we are really going to have to scramble to mend things um and i i actually believe it's possible if you if you had asked me like two days ago i was like i will crush the skulls of my enemies you're not talking about the friend group of you me ron and reese are you no <laughs> i'm just kidding no we're all good in that <laughs> just making sure no but they're, they're close friends they're people who i talk to once a week and we've never had any shake-up so it's like new territory for these relationships oh. but there is that deep pain where it's like you know uh god it's your battle with your truth their truth and the truth which i don't know what you know who could possibly hold the truth unless yeah. there's some like exactly. fi final judgment you i know, know. Where, where god is like hey <laughs> guess what you were so right weird. in that argument with your I wife know, you were right I dude. think about yeah. that um if only so we had some kind of omnipotent <laughs> i view like god's eye view of everything going down that then could also give us the play-by-play -play from the inside of each of our heads there's that's the, what we would need and maybe the, that wouldn't even be enough 
in the conversations that I have with myself around the situations that I'm in regarding this topic, one of the things I say to myself is I would put the events of that day, night, time up against any judgment in this life or the next, you know, and I really mean that. And when I do mean that, and if I do mean that, I know that I'm good. And that helps me let go of things because I know that in that omnipotent eye, I'm good. Yeah, well, you know, I am, me being an absolute fucking genius, I'm positive that I'm correct in this. (laughs) And also, in order to save the friendship, I'm going to have to figure out what ground I concede. And, you know, they could have some kind of like awkward where I'm I'm going like, okay, yeah, I could see that, even though I can't. Like I've yeah. really examined the situation from all sides. I've talked to my mentors, kind of the usual protocol and I'm struggling. And also I really fucking love these people and we're going to have to figure out like, this is like so human, you know, it's like, well, okay. Like what's the right thing to do? Do you stick to what you absolutely think is right and true? Or do you bend a little bit and go like, yeah, I can totally see your point, even when you don't, or do you really try to see their point? So I'm in a really interesting dance on this topic right now. Are you talking? Is that friend group all talking? We're talking light. You know, it's, it's, um, we're used to talking like every on the hour. Yeah. And um, I believe we could all send a text message and that text message would be received. Um, but you know, it's like, it's very, um, painful as well. Like to have, for me, friends are always like the most constant. So I'm free to take risks in business. I'm free to take risks in, uh, romance. I'm free to take risks everywhere because I have this foundation of friendship. So when that gets shaken up, it's really scary. Man, sorry to hear that. I relate to that a lot, man. Yep, I relate to that a lot. It's just, I used to say that like friendships or that romance was where my real underbelly came, got exposed. You know, it was through romance, my wounds, my issues, my places where I needed to grow. But as time has gone on, it's become almost just as much in friendships, you know? Yeah, the deeper you go, the more it becomes just like a intimate relationship except even sex it's totally true it's even like yeah you know this the the uh project that you and i and ron and reese have been working on you know it's like some pretty intense moments in the writing room and you know just because it's a challenging story and it's close to people's hearts in different ways and i remember like in any in those conflicts you know uh which weren't severe you know but even those i was like you know like this this kind of shakes my my um base within you know because i care about people a lot but i also kind of sabotage myself quite a bit by being uncareful and um in in whenever i get close to someone and it's it's like this i don't know if you both experience this but i literally really really care for someone in my life whether it's romance or friendship but then be rough with them and with myself and those things hurt that hurts the the thing that's important to me and i i see myself do that and i just go one of the this is the last thing one of the most clear lessons of my life in the last year or so is dude be more careful like when you are hurting or struggling don't start swinging your words and your emotions around especially 
to hurt other people because you're hurting yourself. I, I think that's good advice. I'd also like to throw out there that like, so for my own personal case, I've always been a solo artist until a year ago, maybe huh. just maybe two years ago, actually. Yeah. And I would just like to throw out that we're all really new to this, right? We're all people who've been doing our own thing, working for other people, which doesn't really count because yeah. your heart's not in it. Yeah. And now yeah. we're like, so I, I just have a feeling that if you were to go to, say, a Hollywood writing room full of writers that are like 10 tenured writers, yeah. they've been doing it for a decade. I think part of that just comes with time. So, so I actually think that there was a lot of green flags in our collaboration because, you know, everything got resolved. It took time. And I think as yeah. you develop yeah. that skill, people are really annoying, right? Like you, you find that out with roommates. You find that out with yeah. podcast co-hosts, podcast yes. co-hosts, yes. <laughs> nuts. People are really annoying. Parents, children. And they're also the entire purpose of all of this right? like, <laughs> the Gosh, only well the said. only reason you have yeah. language is to interface with other humans mm. right the only reason we have so many things is to cooperate and collaborate with other humans yeah, and um and they also happen to be maddening and we all happen to be made from the same shit. i i sam you're what you're saying is annoyingly profound <laughs> like annoyingly. I, I agree but i'm also like god damn it i don't want to agree with that oh and and to get back to your question that you started with daniel about what do i do when i'm at odds with somebody who i have yeah i have a strong in my mind evidence recorded evidence i actually did record evidence in one situation me too because we record a lot in this industry um, <laughs> yeah. So you're like it's right there. That's yeah. so my, in my situation. I'm yeah. literally like, show me the time code. Yeah. Show me the time code where I was an asshole. So I, so I uh, uh, have that situation in my life that's that's been on the back burner for a number of years at this point. But the other person involved is like, I can't believe you thought I meant blah 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 about this. And and I was like, well, there was you know I've got very because the moment it happened, I wrote everything down and I. It was so strong i actually had to go to the police like it was that kind of deal where i had to like mm. get the police involved oh my god and this person is just like thinks that 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 like they're they're completely innocent in the threat that they provided for me in my life and 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 there's a part of me and i'd be interested in what you think about this sam is i don't i have a rule in my life if i know someone is inebriated in any way i do not enter into any kind of argument with them mm. like if if they're trying to pick a fight or have a conversation with me, that's, that's a trying. Good role. I'm like, I'm not doing it because I know my mind is in a different place than your mind. And we're just not entering into this thing. It's like a therapist of mine said one time, alcohol takes the brakes off of whatever. And so yeah. like when you're arguing, the brakes are off, right? Yeah. If you're inebriated. And I think sometimes when, and I don't want to throw any psychological labels around at all because I'm unqualified to, to use them. But sometimes folks I've encountered have certain bins, bins in their life that seems to uh, have a lens through which they see reality. And, and I've learned over time that if I, if I recognize, I'll use my father as a good example because he's dead in 20 years now. And, and, and I love him. I lo and I can say this with love and no judgment is that the conditions in his life created something that looked like narcissism and 
something that looked like a person who was living completely from addiction and and he lived in a, his own reality it was like we were characters in that reality and if we didn't play the role to his liking we were out and including myself even as a child where it was like you're out for years until i'm ready to bring you back in and when i recognize those conditions in somebody or what feels like those conditions I don't, I don't enter into the conversation of trying to figure out who's right or wrong. Cause I, cause it's like, it's a, it's a lose battle. Like it's, it feels like even with the evidence, even if I could show the evidence and like the time code you just mentioned, Sam, like it's not, it does it's not going to matter to this, this person because they have their convictions around their reality. And, and thankfully, I think that's generally speaking, the only time I have a conflict so bad that that the story is set in stone for the other person, not for myself. And I think probably that's what happens yeah. in like geopolitics is <laughs> like, uh, you know, well, this is yeah. really where the story conversation comes into play too, because you have two stories and you may have yeah. a, you may have a story yeah. where like, I'm just going to use your dad as an example where yeah. one person is their story is siloed and like, every single person that knows them has a separate story. Yeah. And so you could say like, oh yeah, your, your dad's the delusional one, but to your dad, that story is absolutely real. And then what, what do you do about it? I think there's absolutely cases where you, you go like our stories are not reconcilable. Like there's yeah. no way for us to match our stories. And I think that there's other cases where you have to go, well, um, we're going to have to blend these stories. Like, what do you call the middle part of a Venn diagram? Yeah. That's oh, a good yeah. question. Is there yeah, a name for that? Yeah. That's that a good question. Segment? The overlapping. Like yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. The, the part where the two stories overlap. And I, I always found that um, funny. Like, there's somebody who I listen to that says, like, it's, he's a political commentator and he's like, listen, if you, if you listen to somebody on the left and you listen to somebody on the right, where both people agreement, that's the fact. Everything else is. Mm -hmm. no more and and i think we're getting more and it's becoming harder and harder to find what the fact is which presents other interesting problems but all of this is to say is that life is a is a co-writing opportunity like that's yeah. really what we're doing here is we're writing stories together yeah. and um marianne williamson called me out for i forget what it was but she was just like you can be right or you can be happy and i think that's something she says all the time but she, she said it to me and I was just like, fuck, you know, like that's a great question because being right or being righteous, mm -hmm. um, especially when you have like a beautiful righteous cause has some sort of weight to it. And also agreement or peace has another weight to it. And so it's like, a, yeah. you know, where's the priority lie? Yeah. <laughs> it's, and uh, when we're talking about collaborations, of telling stories the, each person brings their personal story into the telling of that story into the view of that story so like the story exactly. that we're all telling you know and so so one of my stories of of the story that we're all telling together is that it hasn't it's tr been tried to be told through various mediums um and it just hasn't done that and instead of it being like well that's on the world it's like that's actually part of my story is that it's like, why hasn't the ball been moving forward in certain areas of life, you know? And 
and with Sam, when you came in Tusk, or one thing I noticed is that you were like, you've been driving to get this story told, which is one of your purposes, if not your main purpose with uh, Hello Humans and with Square One Studio is tell people's stories and do it on a professional basis and on a large scale. And so you have to get good and I'm assuming are getting good at, at finding and catalyzing stories and then closing the deal and being done. And so you've been driving toward that and it's bumped up against that part of me that is afraid and wants to, you know, calls it like perfectionism or calls it like this isn't right or whatever. And I realized in the last couple of months, as we've all been doing our own uh, other projects and taking a break from this, is that, oh, this is my story bumping up against Sam's story. But the thing is, is that Sam's story of closing deals on stories and getting them told, that's the story I want to live. And so it was a real shift in my brain of, oh, you know, let go. And the last time we talked, you were like, you were like, maybe the next time you come down, we'll even start recording. And my first impulse was, oh, we're not going to be ready. And then I was like thinking about, I was like, oh, we're beyond ready. Like we can start recording. And I realized, okay, things are going to be different. I'm going to have more fun with it. And I realized like my story is changing because of your story. My personal story is changing because of your personal story and the interaction of them. Yeah, well, man, it's a huge bear of a project. <clears throat> it's a big project. And I, and I think most projects die at the like 90% mark. Maybe most projects <laughs> die a yeah. little bit before that, but I've, I've seen a lot of projects die huh. when they're so close. Um, I just had a conversation with Gay Hendricks. Do you know who that is? Yeah, we've had him on the podcast. Cool. He's like one of the coolest yeah. humans on the planet Earth. And uh, <laughs> I basically want him to adopt me. But you it, should. He told, gay, he told gay, me. Adopt one, Sam. Yeah, adopt me. <laughs> Uh, he told me one of the big turning points of his life is he just declared he wanted to live a life of completion. Hmm. And so oh, yeah. he, stopped, he stopped taking on almost everything except for things that he was absolutely going to complete. And wow. that's kind of where I'm at. And so the more I do this and the more I realize I actually want things to have ends, which is not the way I can. Yeah permanent and forever which means like it's an ongoing project which means gotcha. like i don't want to rent a house i want to own a house and i i don't want to have a girlfriend i want to have a life partner forever and if you know i don't want at the end even when the relationship should absolutely end so i'm drawn more and more to finding the beginning middle and end of projects and like mm -hmm. what would make this project a success and it's, it's interesting you say that you use that language and he uses that language because and then beginning middle end because that that story right that is yeah it's the finishing of a story of a yeah. chapter and you know that chapter of whatever that is in our life now is now is tight and complete and you know the opposite of that is is uh like the latest Cormac McCarthy novel which has a dozen open endings and and but it also has a last page but it also has a last page <laughs> that makes you want to throw it across the room and set it on fire. But I think that's kind of how most of us actually live uh, uh, unconsciously. You know, we have tons of started projects, tons of, of unreconciled relationships that we just don't know what to do with. And, and it's an Gosh. interesting, yeah, it's, I think it's a really this interesting is... um, declaration to say, I want to be a finisher. I want to complete things. This is so wild, man. Guys, remember I left you that voice memo a couple of days ago, uh, Ron, and I was like, 
I went through all my pictures, like 8,000 pictures in the past. I was looking for reference pictures for paintings for my next series. Mm. But I also like to do that every once in a while, just to touch base with parts of my past that I've, you know, maybe have some, a little bit of that story that needs to play a part in my life now, but I, it's just gone. And so, you know, going back 15 years, looking at pictures, like nine-year partnership, and it's various um, creative projects that dominated years of my life. And uh, at the end of it, I go, I go, and just having finished like the biggest creative project of my life, so fulfilling with this series of paintings, I was like, okay, how about we really consider the story? What does the hero of my life do next? You know, mm. and think about it like telling a story. You know, I consider all the things and you want it to make sense with the past. And, you know, I'm not going to just suddenly do something totally off the walls, but, you know, really considering the life choice as if it's the story that we want to create. And I sent Ron this voice memo and I was like, I'm really just sense that I need to do something and make an adjustment, but I don't really know what it is. And I just was working it out. And long story short, I said, what do you think? And then he didn't get back to me. <laughs> Ron, yeah, Ron didn't get back to me either. Ron's but, busy though. This is, but, uh, this is my way of testing you guys. I'm just testing both of you. But what was cool is about 20 minutes later, I was just meditating on it and laying and sitting with it. And this is why I mentioned it is what I came up with is I need to take the rest of the year to clear the books. All those half finished paintings. Sam, the podcast was Sam because that was this played a part in my decision because Sam remember you telling me you want to finish by the end of the year I was like I remember Sam want to do that by the end of the year and then you know my, several things were ending at the end of the year but I also have big gaps of time to like really do something what am I going to do and it wasn't about new stuff it was about closing the books and I just made this list and it was only about 10 things long but they were all significant projects and I want to clear the books and have those things done, those stories told. And then you all are talking about that exact same thing. It's so awesome. Man. Yeah, completion is a really cool thing. That's something that you can probably spend your whole life meditating on if you wanted to. Do you think, do you think completion is the necessary requirement for story to be effective? Well, it depends. It's like there's the stories that you share with the world and then there's the stories that are important to you. I think in general, most of life is actually less in completion and more open ended. Like life is such a life is such a beautiful mess. There's um, broken agreements, there's affairs, there's broken friendships, there's whirlwind scenarios where you you know, you get that feverish oh my gosh we're destined to do this and so we're going to do this and then that dies and so yeah, I, I yeah there's say, a million moments that feel so significant and then then, then there's like where's the follow-up significance right yeah yeah so i'd say the the real art of storytelling for yourself of really capturing your master story arc and your narrative is actually weaving together a ton of un, incomplete things nice. and creating meaning out of it now i think that's why deciding that hey at least the things i do with my hands are going to be completed can be so powerful because Mm -hmm. the rest of life is not that way the rest of the world is not going to cooperate with you on that level you know it's like (laughs) every time you feel uh feel the holy spirit that like i am going to better myself right you if you enroll like one person into joining you for two weeks that's a success but no one's gonna join you in that it's like that's your journey like yeah you want to wake up and do 100 sit-ups every day do it but like good luck getting somebody else to join you because you're the one who got hit by the inspiration yeah yeah 
So in your own story, Sam, if you're telling your, and I know you think in mythological and story terms quite a bit, as both a to- storyteller, collaborative storyteller, and as a liver of your life and your own story, what do you think is on the horizon for you and when you make decisions in your life uh, that maybe are informed by storytelling principles? Like, what does that look like? Mm. Well, I will say that, um, you know, there's a couple of like mythological elements to me that I actively write into my life and promote and kind of one is that I'm the luckiest guy, you know, and that happens to be true, but it's, it's true by creation. And so what I will do is with, with everybody, anytime there's some amazing luck, I'll like flag it. And I'll be like, dude, you're not going to believe this. Am I the luckiest guy, you know, or what? And so, you know, it's funny, like my friend, it drives my friends nuts. Uh, But it also has me, most importantly, and everybody else trained to see all the areas I'm completely blessed. And so it's kind of this funny. um, Did you have to did you have to learn to do that because you felt the opposite for a while? I just decided that was just something that, you know, like, I just decided that was something I wanted to be known for. Like, and, and so and, that and lucky so, son of a bitch, Sam yeah, Lamont. <laughs> I'm the like I'm the luckiest guy you know. Like I just said, it, it's funny. Uh, the lady I'm dating has a voice coach, and I don't have the money to hire a voice coach right now. And so I said, um, "Yeah, I really, I really can't wait one day to to get voice lessons." And then somebody on Instagram invites me to their. It's a one woman show called The Hummingbird in San Francisco. And I go, she's an amazing singer. And afterwards, I was like, hey, thanks for the invite. Like, it's so cool to meet you in person. You know, it's on my mind. Do you know a great voice coach? And she goes, I'm, I'm your voice coach. Like, <laughs> I actually, like, look it up. That's my business card. That's what I do. I'm a voice coach. And I'll be your voice coach. She's coming on Friday. The first thing I do is I call my partner and I say, say it say it and she's like she's like no no I won't. <laughs> fuck you disgusting you know? and uh so, but, so it's an ongoing joke where you know like, <laughs> say it <laughs> yeah people will get annoyed people will get annoyed because see- seemingly i wonder why yeah <laughs> say it yeah because you know seemingly all these things fall into place but i think it actually is partially really tuning into that and, I, and I'm going to pause you on, on this yourself. one because this is, yeah, this is, this is you saying the, th- the thread of the story of my life that I want to begin to emphasize is fortune happening for me. Good fortune. Yeah. And, I think, it, I, I think it's funner. It's like more, it's more fun and it's like more trickster to, to chalk it up to luck, even though it's all, a, you know, a lot of work and footwork and, yeah, and this, yeah. but it, it's like, I have a bit of trickster energy to me. So it's like, why not just make it luck? Like, I don't yeah. know why that's so amused. It's like, yeah, it's self amusement, I guess, more than anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think there, I, I, if I'm really honest, I don't like to emphasize luck and fortune if. in my life. I feel guilty. I feel guilty. Really? Yeah, I do. I totally do. I feel, I feel uh, gu- guilty. I know. Yes, my own shit here. But I'm, yeah, if you can let go of that, imagine what you do become. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. I think, and that's why I'm saying it out loud so that I don't feel guilty yeah. about it. Maybe you become the luckiest guy Sam Lamont knows, which is 
That's big. Like, That'd be a big deal. Big. That's a big deal. <laughs> I um, I could work on that. It's funny, Ron. I have some. I feel the the same about like hard work paying off for some reason. I feel guilty uh, about it. Yeah. Wild. I don't know yeah. why. Like, for some reason, if it's just yeah. like drops into my lap, there's something more. Just like, hmm, you know. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's interesting. Yeah. I think, I think the. Wow. I think there's. Well, what's interesting to me is this feeling that we can begin to practice a feeling in our nervous system. I think that's very Gay Hendricks. You know, what, what something he might say is like you practice the feeling of success or or breaking through into an upper upper um, new level of, of feeling good in your body, your nervous system yeah. about what something about something that would have formerly made you feel bad. Yeah. And I yesterday yesterday I was bumping up against some new success in my life that has felt very effortless and beyond my, um, beyond my, um, ability. But I think if I look at it from 10,000 feet, it's because I've put a lot of hard work into it. I've like, did you sell your listing? No, not yet. Okay. No, it wasn't my listing. I was just there for a, um, uh, an open house for somebody. Okay, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Was um, it your guns? Did it have to do with your guns? No, Daniel. He's guns. <laughs> I'm feeling real strong today, guys. I've been on a roll. By the way, both of you guys just flexed. My, my son, who is 16 right now, and is going to the gym five days a week and uh, taking masking or 10,000 every day and, and oh all that. God. He's getting he's getting monstrous. And and he walks around the house just flexing all the time. And I'm like, I can't blame him for it. I would Dude, he's too. He's going to crush you. He's going to crush you. He, the only reason he hasn't now is because he loves me. <laughs> There's he's he's one, you know, like a uh, growth spurt away from absolutely destroying me. And I, it would be God's mercy if he doesn't. Um, what, what was I talking about? We were talking about, you're talking about your bumping up against a win oh, yesterday. Oh, and I was feeling scared shitless because of it. I'm like, why am I, why is every door opening for me? And instead of me being like, yep, I'm the luckiest guy on earth. I'm like, whoa, I feel super unsafe and, and, and feel like a, um, an imposter and all those other things. And I just had to go, okay, old Ronald would have like, just hit the, you know, hit the emergency brake on the train and stop this thing. And, and Ronald right now has to go, Hey, something in something in your nervous system feels scared that's okay that's normal um let's talk about this let's see what's going on like things are happening that are good that you've wanted for a long time and um and that's just new territory all it is is new territory for you it's nothing else beyond that yeah, and, I, and so then i had to get practice being like going I like this. I like yeah. this feeling of newness. I like this feeling right. of doors opening. I like this feeling of people saying I'm, I'm in to help you. I like this feeling of, of all kinds of folks you showing up in ways that I could. It's, it's like Ron, I know you're going to say something, Sam, real quick. Uh, it's like Ron, you know, that, that thing that I said that now we both say is I'm, I feel like I'm in my future. Yeah. It's like, you gotta, I do feel like there's a kind of intense period of confronting your emotional and nervous system, your psychological past before that feeling of the future. It's like a threshold almost. There's that, yeah. there's that mythological motif of thresholds, you know, it's like right before the opening of the new land, there's a concentrated version of resistance. Yeah. I like to, I like that phrase you just use psychological past. It's that 
seems right. Seems right. What, what were you going to say, Sam? Uh, I was going to just touch on a couple of things. One, I think that priming for a good feeling is um, in the same modality. As, have you guys heard of positive psychology? I mean, I don't think so. No. I don't. I so don't it's just, right. yeah. It's from what I understand, it's like well researched. It had great results. The whole thing was really just focusing on, on the positive and getting you to do hope exercises. The problem is they they failed that movement failed to pierce the public zeitgeist because it had no yeah. way to really meet up with the tragedy of life. So they were basically, you know, it would work great for an executive whose life is already pretty good to go right. like sit down and do these positive exercises because that person can do it, but it failed to meet people in the absolute tragedy because how are you supposed to feel anything hopeful or positive when you're, you know, in the abyss. The um, second thing, oh, I lost the second thing. But anyway, I, I was just going to segue us to just talk about the, the important elements of story as storytellers, but thinking about it in a personal lens. So wh what do you guys think are the important elements of a, of a story? And especially in a, in a personal legend, to use the language of the alchemist. Well, when, when I uh, was learning about a story through uh, first journalism, then playwriting, then screenwriting, then book writing, one of the things that came up in screenwriting intensely was conflict. That's the word that immediately came to my mind, too. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I didn't like that at first. I was like, why do we have to have a, I remember this is like yeah. 15 years ago. I was like, why does there always have to be conflict? <laughs> it's going to be hard. <laughs> yeah. But then I was like, Sam, the real answer to your question is whatever creates that catharsis that makes me swell with emotion. It has something to do with an underdog, an underdog achieving what they were not expected to achieve. Whatever that is, for me, that's the most important thing. And I, I'm very curious what that is and how to create it. I love a good underdog story too. Do you know that's that's culturally American? Not I have heard what? that. Yeah. What? Yeah. That's not Hold necessarily on. Okay, let's put universal. I want, I want to put a dog in there. I want to come back to that. I want to and, and, and circle back around to what you just said about conflict. That's the word that came to my mind immediately. And 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 in story, it's fun to watch. In reality, it's not fun to experience for yeah. myself. And no, yet, nobody would watch a, a movie or show or read a book with zero conflict. I think conflict is an absolutely important part of any story. I think it adds interest. I think it adds moments for growth. Like when you think about right. a, a character a, a character arc, I mean that it's those moments of conflict are generally when they're moving towards where you want that character to move is in Indi the conflict indiana jones and raiders of the lost ark would be so fucking boring if he walks in sees the golden idol takes it off and just goes home like yeah <laughs> but the but the booby trapping set off and then the rolling ball and then the blow darts and the tribal indians like we need all those in story to bring in excitement and for us to root people on and i think the i think the trick as an individual is to see those things that are happening in our life. I'm speaking to myself for sure right now is to go, Oh, this is my, this is the, the moment I've set the booby trap off. This is the moment that the giant ball is rolling after me. And, and this is the moment that I'm like digging a ditch in the story and have the great success in the future. It's, it's when those conflicts get layered and 
because that inherently I've never been an action fan like that. That's not very interesting to me. The booby traps and the conflicts you're talking about. They're very it boring was when to you me. were seven. It, you loved it when you were seven. Well, if that's true, which it could, it could be true. It's not like conflicts aren't interesting to me now. It's just changed. Yeah. Th those are not the conflicts that are interesting to me. I watched a reel the other day and this is to Sam, this is what I, an example of what I wanted to answer your question is this got me, you know, this woman is in a, a race um, track. It's on the track. I used to be a track runner. So, you know, I kind of know that world a little bit. And she falls, you might've seen this. She falls down. She gets tripped up with about two or 300 meters to go. And in the w running world, that's about a minute of running. Oof. That's not a minute of running. That's, that's 30 seconds of running. 30 seconds to, to 50 seconds. It's right around there, depending on how, what pace you're in, depending on how long the race is, right? So that's not a lot of time. She gets tripped up. She falls. She stumbles ass over tea kettle. And she goes from closely leading the race to last by six seconds, which is like 60 meters, 50 meters, 40 meters. I mean, it's a long ways. So you're down, you're down by 40 meters and you've got 200 to go. It's crazy how far back that is. And you think that was the real. You're like, oh, that's a real bummer. That's sorry. Uh, that's that's a drag. And she fucking gets up and you can kind of see it her at, for a second. You're like, she's just really disappointed. And then over the next 30 seconds, she just closes that gap and wins by that much. And as that race goes on, that 30 seconds, I went from, oh, that's a bummer she fell, to crying. And I watched it like four or five times. That story right there is the one that gets me. And it made me ask the question, why does this get me so much? And how can I, what is there in me that needs to overcome something that is like seemingly impossible, but can actually do it? You know, it just gets me asking those questions. And would it have been as compelling if she had just won the race? Without uh, obviously not in any way yeah. right yeah like what an epic win but again it's like why does that get me personally is it does it have to do with what sam said that it's part of our culture if that's the case why is it part of our culture it just made me want to understand my own story more because that might not make five out of ten other people emotional at all yeah one of the things i've noticed in my own life is that i do so poorly with abstract problems and i do so well with acute crises so same, same. when there's a car crash on the road and i get to pull over and pull out my great my blanket med, yeah my blanket and med <laughs> kit and my yeah. truck's actually loaded for that because i love responding to these yeah. kinds of situations and i love having a real thing to overcome rather than the abstract idea of like what will make me a success in my podcast but one of the things that I think that we are lacking right now, you know, we've we've roughly been in a time of peace for like 60 years, right? There hasn't been big kinetic warfare. There hasn't been some overarching thing is the concept of a story engine, which is what motivates the characters through the entire story. So in to use the the Hobbit again or Lord of the Rings, like getting the ring to Mordor is the animating force, right? Everybody gets to hang out at the Shire until the ring comes and the minute the ring comes it there is some there's a propulsion right and it doesn't matter if the characters want to or if they have the energy to or how great the obstacles are there is this animating force and i don't think a lot of us have an animating force i think that's why youtube motivation is such a popular concept it's like 
people need motivating to do the things that they're doing because it's yeah. not very animating. There's a concept that I started embracing, which was just following the energy, you know, and I just started looking at my life like, where's the energy? Because I don't want to do stuff that is stagnant and dead. I really want to figure out like, whoa, that excites me. What excites me right now is like gathering physical gatherings of people. So that's what I've been focusing on, you know, creating community rather than being uh, more just like an artist. Here's my art. But so, you know, to have a lens for like what animates you and what is the story engine in your life? I think it, just viewing it from your life is going to get a little bit hard. So I think like larger meta narratives are needed, but we're, we're missing it. Right. So the, the big institutions that maybe applied meta narratives would be like religions where there is a purpose to all this. And it's for us all to be a congregation together and to help each other and to spread the word of God or whatever. Also, you have times like the war effort in world war two, where like the entire, everything aligned to a single purpose. And now the more fractured we get, the more, I mean, it's funny that like, it's almost like the more information and communication that we have, the easier it is to be siloed. So we don't need each other as much. Like it's, it's very easy to, um, if you wanted to, you could su only support companies that have your political beliefs for everything, shoes, shirts, cars, right? You can figure out who's got the political donations. And so, but we're lacking a real engine of like, when you wake up at six in the morning and you want to push the snooze, what's the thing that prevents you from pushing? Like, what is so important that you wouldn't dream of pushing the snooze button? Because thank God you woke up. Thank God you woke up because you have something to do. We're missing that. It's like when people, when they say those who have a why can endure any how, right? And so there's powerful statements of what you're talking about. What's your why? I started asking myself that question really specifically because it was getting challenging to get up in the morning, you know, specifically what you just said, you know, and it's like, what is going on? So I opened up an email thread to myself and just put it in drafts and it just says in capital letters in the subject, my why. And then every time I would get an idea of what that might be or get a little closer, you know, I would write in there and then, but, but to your point about those abstract problems, Sam, a lot of them were like not specific, you know, it's Neil Rosenberg, the, um, uh, the, uh, nonviolent communication, um, guy, he said, you know, one of the most important things with communication and nonviolent communication is making requests and those requests need to be specific. You know, that's what you're speaking to specific, you know, um, not a abstract. And so I was like, okay, my email thread to myself was like a lot of big abstract stuff. And it's like, well, what does that mean? Just distilling it down. And then where I'm at right now in that thread, I just looked at it is when you were uh, talking, I brought that up and it, the last thing was finish the things that you said you're going to do, put them in the past, you know? And I was like, I don't know if that completion. That's interesting. Yeah, man. It's big for me right now. It's like, and then, but simultaneously, also, because I'll do them even if I don't want to do them. It's just a matter of principle right now. Yeah. Just finish it. You said you do it, finish it. And because I know the feeling of, the, of being in my future usually comes after doing something I said I wanted to do, do it. But also because the stakes are higher and you're going to do what you're going to say you're going to do now, be careful what you say you're going to do, you know, 
Now, to your point, though, like Sam, I don't know if that's a why that really gets me up in the morning, but it feels like it's getting closer. I think there's still a lot of work that needs to be done on what on finding that purpose, maybe for all of us. I don't know. I think that, yeah, I think your point about that, Sam, is like we we lack we lack the the thing that gets us up. And and, I you know, I've heard that the 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 drug problem, homelessness problem, you know, jobless thing is is a. What did Bernie Sanders call? It? He called it something like a uh, an epidemic of hopelessness, and and if we don't surround ourselves with a story of hope or of understanding that things are possible for us, it's really easy to want to stay stuck. It's it's just easier because it's like our nervous system doesn't want to change, doesn't want to invest the energy, and and to switch that is so fucking hard it is really 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 difficult and yet i think there's three you know three of us sitting here going like we're all trying to right that ship on a on a moment to moment basis hour to hour basis for going like there are things in my life i have to begin to do even when i don't feel like it even when it feels uncomfortable even when i'm not even even when i'm still kind of vague on what i'm actually working towards i just know that what's behind me isn't what i want and what's in front of me is like getting clearer. I'm like slowly yeah. starting to adjust yeah. the image. I was thinking about this completion thing as I, as I've entered back into, and this is uh, cold water. Just just uh, and all it is just cold showers and or not even cold shower. Cold finishes to a shower. And I went for a run yesterday. Made dinner for my daughter and I. Jumped in the shower, and everything is like I do not want to fucking finish this cold shower or finish this shower off with, with cold water. And, and the whole time my brain's like, don't do it, Ronald. And I'd like wash my hair, wash my body. And I was like, I don't have to do it. I don't have to finish this cold shower. And as my brain is arguing, something compelled my hand without me really wanting to switching over to the cold. And, and that felt significant to me because there's a lot of things in my life in the past that have fucked me because I didn't complete them. I didn't, I didn't finish what I said I was going to start and follow up. I didn't do something, like, do, do the next 10 steps that were required. We're really withholding from ourselves when we don't oh, show up like that. Yeah, who, well said, who said the why quote? Was that Victor Frankl? Oh, I don't know. I'll look okay. it up. Yeah. So, and you remember the big talk that happened with uh, Simon Sinek? Is that his name? He had yeah. a big, big yeah, why. Yeah, he had a whole I think why thing, yeah. TED talk. Why is great. I think why is like, for me personally, it's too overarching, right? So why is a big philosophical question? Um, I think for me, what, when I think about story engine, um, like when I think about it more from a story, the character doesn't always have to know their why, but they do have to have that animating force still. Like something still has to be animating right. them through. So it's almost, it's almost like a why now, but it's not. it's not like a why for the rest of your life and that so when i hear Mm. people talking about your purpose and your meaning and your why it just feels like it's so grand it's such a big ask of somebody like okay how long are you going to take to write that are you going to take a year to write the why for the rest (laughs) of your life because that's how it would probably take more than that to write a perfect why but instead figuring out like what is the why now what is the the animating force for now what is the like as an artist, um, Daniel, 
what what is the exploration that you want to do because you might not know if you're really breaking new ground artistically you don't know exactly what you're going to be doing you're you're in an exploration and so i just wanted to edit maybe the the thought of why because i've personally always really struggled with that me too i've always i've always found it as more of like another assignment i need to do yeah like oh great now on top of like feeding myself and paying the bills i need to know like what my big why is and instead i think it's like really just figuring out like what thread do you want to pull on for now because you need to know what's on the other end of that thread that's why that why that i landed on which is finish old projects really work for me because yeah. it's got an yeah. end date the end of this year the list is not unending it's doable within that time frame you know it's like it's but it is big you know there's going to be a huge reward at the end of that time because there's going to be and rewards all along the way because it's not like each one of those projects is going to all end on December 31st, you know, I, I just found that, you know, accomplishing the things I say I'm going to do has been for the last few years, a major theme in my life. And that's why, like, I do my crush it list and why they're so satisfying is because I've gotten better and better at doing that thing that a bunch of me doesn't want to do the proverbial turn the shower to cold, you know, and I'm not perfect at it by any means, by any means, but I'm better than I was a month ago and way better than a year ago and two and three and 10 years ago. And it's like, oh my God, my mental health is improving just by showing up and accomplishing the things that I say I need to do. Yeah. One of the things I loved actually about the two of you and spending time with the two of you was how diligently you do your morning routines. And mm-hmm. so hosting you guys was really cool. Um, and I would, I would love to continue to learn from you guys. Cause I've, I've like, I'll go in and out of routines uh, but I don't think I've quite had the same stretches that you guys have with just simple basics, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I really just wanted to highlight that maybe to your listeners of just something where you guys really do have something figured out. Yeah. This is the evening for me, Ron's got strong, stronger, uh, morning routine than I do. That's been tricky for me, but the evening for me was the first, uh, um, the first, uh, what's that saying? When they say this first something to fall, you know, it was the first thing to really fall into place was that evening and night because I didn't have either a couple of years ago. And, and then just one, you put one dumb, you know, one thing in place. And then another, it was like, oh, I triggered the evening routine with my shower. That just happens every night. And then that flows into skincare and eye care and hair care, you know, and that routine. And that flows into floor work and stretching and lotion. You know what I mean? It's just, it's like, it was such an anchor to have that. And without that, there's no structure. I start to slide. So I appreciate you seeing that. That's cool. Thank you. I think it's, uh, it's, it, it ties into story for me. And, Mm. and, and I think it's a little like the story you like to play the role, um, of a person who can respond to shit that's going wrong because it's fun for you. I totally Mm. get that by the way. And, and, and because you enjoy it so much and you, and you, there's a part of your brain that like comes online in a way that it doesn't in the other circumstance, you have created the conditions and structures in your truck so that you can then participate in that story when it comes on. And that's the way my routine has over time compounded into something that it is now. It started with something small in the beginning. 
Yeah. And then wow. over time, like, man, I like the way my life is running. How can huh. I, how can I add just another little bit of an element yes. to it? And then layer on another one six months later or a year later. Yeah, exactly. And now it's to the point where if it's like, if I don't do that, I feel discombobulated. Just like right. you would if you got in your truck, Sam, and you're like, where's my shit? Where's my gear? Right. Where's like... Oh, I would hate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And that's that's exactly how my, my life is now where it's like, I don't... There's a part of me that even though I love to travel, I'm like, oh, right. right. It throws yeah, that Yeah, throws off my routine. Yeah. There, yeah. I did a digital detox this weekend. And yeah, man, I, like it was, so, it was so great that this little cabin didn't have wood for the wood fireplace and it didn't have an axe. And I've got to just like open up the truck and be like, I got the axe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the time. One That's of the things good. I think is also really important to mention about story. So let's say we have the, the engine, the thing that really starts it, that moves it, that's an animating force in it. Then you have the conflict, which is... A, incredibly important part to especially yeah. character arc like the, you so you have the the plot and then also overlaid on every great story is the character plot a story that doesn't have a developing character is called an iconic hero it happens every once in a while it's like um james bond is an iconic hero he doesn't really oh, grow you know right. he's just he's just like a cool guy but most yeah. of the time you secretly have a desire of what you want that character to learn like you want Han Solo to be less of an asshole or you want Indiana Jones to take things more seriously or whatever. The, um, the like other part of conflict, which is important, which leads to these great moments of uh, character development is the payoff though as well, right? Yeah. Like is payoff the most important? No, but it can really be a bummer if you've been inner interweave, you know, if you've been just, mesmerized yeah. by the pace of a story by the development of a story and the payoff sucks i mean you can look at like what happened with game of thrones right where like the payoff was abysmal and now the show's almost unwatchable yeah. it's almost unwatchable now and you know whether you like him or hate him i'm not gonna go up to bat for him but i did end up reading uh jordan peterson's 12 rules for life and one of the ones that one of the lines that stuck out to me in that book was like if you tell yourself you're going to give yourself something, you better give it to yourself. Nice. Like if yeah. you're going to be using bribes yeah. in any part of your development, <laughs> like when you get that thing, yeah. like if you say, oh, if I run a mile, I get to have a piece of cake. And then you run the mile and you feel like, well, you know what? Actually, I don't want to work against my goals. If so I don't have the cake, I'll make even more. Skates. I'll make even more progress. <laughs> yeah. like, eat the cake because awesome. that was part of the negotiation. That was part of the agreement. And I think that's, a big, big part of, a, of personal development of the story of our lives yeah. is the agreements we make with ourselves. Like yeah. what, what are the agreements that we're going to be a part of? And I had a, um, I, I, I'm part of 12 step and I had a sponsee and one sponsee was comparing himself to another sponsee and he was struggling because one sponsee was just, you know, womanizing and loving it and just dating, you know, just had a harem of women who wanted to be with him. And the other one was trying to do that and he was really struggling. And it was like, you're not that person. Like that's not in your nature. So when you're kind of morally ambiguous and like this guy over here, 
he has no problem with it. That's like a shark doing shark shit in the open ocean, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Every time you do that, it's breaking some agreement with yourself. Yeah, that's an awesome like, observation. Yeah, well you happen said. to have an agreement with yourself that you want to give people a lot of time, that you want to date huh. one at a time. And so when you try and wear the shoes of, you know, it's like you can strap the fin on your back and swim in the pool. And that does not make you a shark, you know, but you better figure out what you have and what you are. Well, what's interesting about that, too, and I think nuanced, complex and confusing is that sometimes that's a that's a call that that's a call in them that sees the other person um, womanizing and wants to do it. So that's a genuine call. So how does a person reconcile that call? Do you just ignore it? Do you suppress it? Does, is it trying to come out in a way that isn't authentic, but that doesn't mean it can't come out in another way that would be authentic? You know what I mean? I think, I think the secret is to find the thing under the thing. Find the right. meaning under for the sure. meaning. So, gotcha. for example, I talk and I work with young people and I talk to a lot of young people and you'll see a lot of young people, they want, they want some things, you know, they want to be famous, they want to be rich. And, um, you know, or you, you talk to a, a woman who, who openly just states, like, I want to date a rich guy, right? Like, you can look at that on the surface and you can say, like, wow, that's like so superficial. Or you can actually look at these, like I would call those like little mini engines. Those have energizing force to them. They have a pull to them. What is that pull? You want to be super famous? What is that? I can almost guarantee it's not that you want to have zero privacy and have the paparazzi outside your house. I yeah. can almost guarantee that what you want is to matter. You want what you say mm -hmm. to matter in the public sphere. You want to be important. Can you find that own importance in like a... a a church fellowship or like a drum circle probably you so if you're just like wow i have this desire to be famous and then you just chase fame without yeah. examining what mm -hmm. the energizing force is if you want to date a rich partner i can almost guarantee it's not that you need to have caviar every day it's that you feel unsafe you feel financially unsafe and so what you're searching for is safety you, you could see the same with um you know <laughs> gals whose type are like these like juiced out gorillas right like we've all met a girl like that that just dates one you know one dangerous man after another and it's like there's probably a desire for safety and that and that's okay what's the thing about you know being rich it's probably it's probably safety what's the thing about being famous it's probably about mattering like that's the basics underneath is that we want to be safe and we want to matter i think that's one of the most profound things that someone can can understand and hear is that is like, whoa, are you saying that under my wildest dreams that seemingly are one in a million, if they happen, is actually a pretty attainable goal that I could work toward right now, you know? Of yeah. being safe. <laughs> yeah, being safe you know? and feeling significant. But life. those things are going to be in our yeah. shadow generally. They're generally going to be subconscious to some extent. And so to to actually find out a way where you can make tangible traction and ground and work toward that, it you have to see something that you by definition can't see. And so therapy, friends, creativity, meditation, like some way to see that thing that you can't quite see. Every time you look at it, it's gone, you know, mm. and it's going to feel unfamiliar. And, and it's going to also that action is probably if you were to make it, it would feel like, oh, my God, why have I not been doing this as but it'll also probably feel pretty unfamiliar for some amount of time, 
you know? And so I think what we're talking about when we're talking about telling our stories and living our stories in such a way where we actually do grow and change with the three of us, we like to put our own resistance on ourselves. You know, life is also putting its resistance. I don't know what you're talking about, but like, it's just challenging to figure out that thing that your whole conscious brain has been wired and has momentum to avoid or not do and then bloop, do this do these many million things that we could be doing for ourselves to get that true what is under the thing satisfied yeah oh right the payoff yeah, the is payoff. there waiting yeah. all the time it could be one second away if you just did something a little bit different or yeah you get it I think that some of the payoff, I think for a lot of what we do in trying to write our stories, we substitute a, a, an easily attainable payoff in the short term because it's, it's easy to get and satisfying versus the long-term payoff yeah. that's harder to get to. That's not, it's, we have a more difficult, I have a more difficult time understanding how that reality is going to actually materialize my life versus oh i can do these these short-term things now that feel good now that are enjoyable now um and and that's i can sub, i can let that substitute the the payoff for a long time for a long well, time. And I, I like to get specific about stuff too and i coming up with one example just to share with listeners and with y'all about what i mean by what we're all talking about is i noticed that i would eat pretty ferally you know I wouldn't plate my food. A lot of times I wouldn't cook good food. I wouldn't eat out of the pot right over the stove. Yeah, all that stuff. I would eat eggs every meal. Yeah, you know, and that's fine. (laughs) There's a room for that. But I noticed I would do that all the time. But the instant someone would come over to my house, friend, family, stranger, lover, I would treat them really, really well. I would cook my best. I'd plate well. You know, I, I know how to do all that stuff. I've spent a lot of time around that type of environment and I do value it. And so I enough time goes on and then you ask yourself whoa it feels so good to do these things for other people and i enjoy it too when i do it for them but i it's so separate and and different extremely from this thing i do on my own so that was a good example so then it was like well maybe i'll start doing that for myself light a candle while i cook you know plate something nicely sit down and I just started mixing that in. And what I realized is, oh man, I need this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Novelty is really nice too. Those little like novel touches. I'm the same way, by the way. Like I will eat uh, sardines out of the can. As a meal. Yeah. As a meal. Because like, what does it matter? I'll just, you know, get the 7-Eleven hard boiled eggs. Like, Well, that's, that's fun, right? Yeah. yeah. But um yeah, another one. That's, it's just that's, when it's that every day, every time, you know, that's all I'm saying. Sorry. Yeah, another one that's interesting. I, I have something somewhere. I haven't started cooking for myself. I still eat very fairly. But another one that is interesting is um, I've noticed that some friends of mine will have uh, like, like very sweet and sensual, like masturbation, right? Well, they'll like. <laughs> They'll like yeah. roll out the fanfare and like take their time rather than just being like, I'm just going to crank one out in the morning. Um, and that was one, you know, that was one that I was thinking about exploring with myself of like, what That's if I, example. like, what if I made really sweet love to myself rather than just like the utilitarian, like, ah, yeah. ah, you know, 
Yeah. That's a great example because that's going to probably feel awkward. It's going to take energy and time, but then, you know, yeah, you I don't rep deserve that out. nice things. That's <laughs> right. ridiculous. I'm, I'm, it's funny you bring this up because Morgan, Morgan outlawed the word masturbation in our home. What do you call it? Self-pleasuring. Self-pleasuring. Sure. Because, yeah. because masturbation, literally, the etymology means to self-abuse. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. And, and self-pleasuring is, you know, making sweet, sweet love to yourself. Well, sometimes, sometimes you want to abuse yourself, though. You sometimes know I mean? you want to be silent and just grab <laughs> that little thing onto your, onto your thigh and You're like yourself Morgan, a few times. I'm fucking masturbating today. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and you funny. are not invited. <laughs> what a great, oh God, I can't wait to get off and just go down the etymology rabbit hole on that one. That, I bet that's amazing. By the way, uh, just uh, following up on these two things, the middle of a Venn diagram is called, and I, I just looked this up, so I don't, I'm not showing you. my own knowledge. Uh, it's called, very unsatisfyingly, the intersection. <laughs> oh, the, uh, <laughs> the story intersection. The intersection we need to, story. We, I'm I bet, thinking about the name of this episode for you guys, okay? That's why I, I bet if we come up with a new be phrase story. and float it yeah. out there, we need to make that. We need to come up with a new name for that. And then you're right. Oh, wait, hold on one sec. Someone's knocking on my door. Oh, Oh, this is a story. This is like the... Oh, this is the catalyst for a story. And Sam never comes back. Then it's a really interesting story. (laughs) He gets murdered right now. You hear screaming. we only hear it. (laughs) Screaming. Dragon's fire. You just see a splatter of blood on the chair he was just sitting in. (laughs) You don't know who died. But it's not his blood. (laughs) Exactly. Fucking awesome. And also, Sam, uh, sorry, he's not. He's he not can't hear you yet. Quite yet. It's the fire department. Did you, the, are you, are you up to code? Are you up to code? Well, I guess that's what they're going to find out. Are they was there the, right now? Was it the fire department, but it was like someone really scantily clad with a pizza? Cause that's not the fire department. They told me the, the building's <laughs> on fire, but I told them I'm on air and I can't. <laughs> <laughs> give me I'll, seven more minutes, I, guys. Yeah, give me 10 minutes. <laughs> the other follow-up was that you're right. It is uh, Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, who said is that. Is that it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Good memory. Good okay. reference, man. Okay. Yeah. It's a nice. good reference. We're coming Love up Victor on 90, 90, this is our 99th episode. Thank you, Sam, for joining us for this. And what? I thought I was 100. And hey, wait, is it, Daniel? No, 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 no. What? You know what it's we're doing right. for our 100th, Sam? I thought I, uh, I thought this was the triple digit. He's like, I'm out. You know I'm what we're out. doing? It was a, uh, Ron's idea. I was like, Ron, let's do something special for 100. And he's like, let's have Sam Lamont on. I was like, no, let's do him for 99. Just kidding. Um, Ron says... Boy, that joke fell fucking flat. Yeah, wow, nice, work. nice work. I feel yeah, like it just yeah. hurt you both. Just mean. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to pit Sam and I against each other. God damn, man. Jesus, Sorry, man. <laughs> I, feel, I feel really bad now. Um, Ron was like, let's have listeners on. And oh, that's so we, cool. We that's invited like five of our listeners and we booked them and it's going to be a little gift back to some of our super fans. <laughs> I love that. I'm stealing that. That's please do. Yeah, please we'll do. Tell yeah. you how it goes. We'll yeah, tell you how it goes first. <laughs> the, what? But uh, what I was about to say is, I we've ref. That's probably that book has probably been referenced more than any other book. Man's Search for Meaning. Do you know? I heard I his other books are even better. What? Really? Yeah, Whoa. I heard. Uh, yeah, I haven't read them yet, but I heard Whoa. it's like, yeah, that's his most famous book, but that's not where his best thoughts are. Really? So, what, what? Do you know what the other ones are? I, I haven't gone down a huge, I read Man's Search for Meaning like seven times. It was like required yeah. the first time I read it. And then it Holy was shit. kind of required the second time I read it. And then I read it 
Yeah, so I've read it a lot. Uh, but he's got great TV interviews on YouTube as well. I've listened. I've watched to a bunch some of those. those. Yeah, I've watched some of those. And okay. I heard he has other books that are really, really good. Yeah, looks like he's got the will to meaning, the will to meaning, and from death camp to existentialism, and yes to life. Cool. Wow, I'm he gonna, did not mess around. Buy... And the feeling of meaningfulness, or no, the feeling of meaninglessness. Wow, he wrote a lot. Anyways, he's got more. Sorry, I just wrong. bought Man's Search for Meaning audiobook right now. It's Have a, you ever read it? It's a, no, it's not great. I've never, oh, it's 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 not great. <laughs> the audio the audiobook is not. The, the, oh well, that's gotcha. yeah. I don't know why you just missed something. I I, I tried it a couple years ago and I was like, Did no, you? It's, it's not quite the same. Yeah. Huh. Oh, should I cancel this because it's about to go through? No, do it. Man. Nah, it'll be fine. Because you'll never it'll read fine. it. You'll never read it. Yeah. So just might as well listen. To it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's so like uh as as we kind of wrap this up a little bit we're talking about stories we're talking about stories kind of in two different ways we're talking about writing our own story and living our own stories and how those interact with other people's versions but then we're also talking about like writing stories so we transition a little bit and and, and turn to the actual writing of story you know when you know, for example uh ron and i uh are working on a very short script where we have to tell a story in five minutes mm. of, sc of screen time working with this little crew out in new york we had to like interview for the job it was actually very cool and um we're gonna have a three-hour writing session this uh saturday so that's a five-minute story then there's the eight-hour version of my story that the, the four of us are telling and then there's ron's working on a novel so that's going to be 200 pages right um Sam, I know you're telling multiple stories in multiple different mediums. I know you're a writer, book writer, but then also through podcasts and spoken word. Screenplay and as well. So what are some of the ways, I know we talked about conflict and, and payoff, but like maybe we could throw one more thing in there or just speak to that process. I just want to open up that actual storytelling conversation. Yeah, well, I think that we could like, what I would say for like a, you know, four elements for life, I would say the engine, right? Where's the energy? What's the animating force? What gets you out of bed? What's the story engine of your life? It could be something simple, but it could be something large and it could be something for today and it could be something for the next year and it could be something for the next 80 years of your life. That's up to you. I would start small. I think conflict is always a room to grow. So like, are you handling this, those problems better now than you were last year? Are the fights with your partners or friends, are they more productive? Are they better? Are they kinder? Uh, what's the payoff? And then the last part of a story, I think, is enjoyment. You know, I think if you... Oh, fuck yeah. Or, or yeah. appreciation, at the very least. Like, uh, my um, dad wrote a screenplay that he talked about forever, and it's just in a, in a drawer somewhere. Like, he never felt comfortable sharing it with me, uh -huh. so I never read it. But, like... That's another part of it. One of the ways that I really enjoy my story is through journaling. And so I have a Polaroid printer. I have all these colored markers. I have markers. Your journal game is is top notch. Yeah. And it's, it, it's a way for me to look back on each day and just appreciate the little mile markers. It's also a reminder when I wake up in the morning, like, 
everything I do today is going to get captured. So I should do some stuff today. Mm. That's good. I was going to, I was that one thing I would add to that. And this is because of my, well, I think it goes along with what you just said, which is enjoyment, which is my favorite part of a story are the magical things that you can't quite account for, but they happen. Call it luck, call it being led. by When you're telling a story, when you're experiencing a story or telling a story like the, mm. those things where, you know, in, in the James Bond scenario, like the, the car jumping off the bridge lands exactly the right place for him to finish the, the deal. That's or, the luckiest guy, you know, right. Or when someone knock, right knocks on the door, you know, you know, suddenly, and suddenly there was a knock on the door and, and the telegram came and it's a fire department. <laughs> I have found in, in my own personal life, so many of the most enjoyable parts have been the um, unexpected and delightful moments that present themselves to me that allow me, um, that give me fuel, that give me fuel through the conflict, that give me fuel through the difficult times, through the resistance and things like that. Kind of to the point where it's like, that is a big part of my why is the enjoyment of it. Like I want to enjoy it. And, and the big thing that I enjoy the most is, is those like magical fairy dust moments of like connections and and scenarios that you couldn't have accounted for you couldn't even have planned for them and yet when they're happening like this is so fun and when you're living life i think authentically that that's part of that individuation is those and by authentically one of the main things for me is like confronting the unknown if you're confronting the unknown with a, a a stalwart heart and an open heart and an open mind the world gets to play its part, you know, and that's where that luck comes in. It's like that great moment in Sam's life where he pulled over to help someone on the freeway and then he needed a blanket and he, like, he just turned around and stuck his hand into the freeway and like someone stopped on the freeway and handed him a blank blanket. There was no communication, you know, mm-hmm. and that's surprising. That's delightful. There's a, there's unknown there. And when he pulled over to help someone there's unknown but then the world gets to play its part and i've noticed that with art and with living living one story and also telling stories is that if you can if you can show up and push your mind and your heart forward into the unknown the world the muse the universe god it it will meet you you know yeah yeah i I think how's the alchemist the world the the universe will conspire with you. Yeah. There you that's, go. Yeah, that's my favorite one. Yeah. yeah. So how do we land this ship, gentlemen? Crash it into the side of a hill. <laughs> yeah. Run it till the motors explode. <laughs> Is there any other way to do it? <laughs> I uh, here's here's how here's how I this yeah, is uh is thank you for joining us on yeah. this episode. Oh, thanks thanks for, for having me. Thank you for um you know, however long ago that was when you, you first joined us. And then, then on that episode saying, I want to do something with you guys Yeah. and then following up with that. And now we're doing something that is, that is, I think was, you know, number one, a story worth telling, which is Daniel's story, but also creating a new story together. All four of us creating a new yeah. story of friendship and, and, and witnessing how our lives are going. And that is, that's a surprise and delight. That's one of those magical moments where I'm like, fuck yeah, this is, this is a wave, a cosmic wave I want to surf. Hell yeah. I'll yeah. be in Portland in a couple of weeks, man. I'm going to come see you. Nice. You want to sleep on my couch? 
I might, I might have a, uh, no. I might have a bed to sleep in, but <laughs> okay. I want that open offer all the time. Uh, yeah, just what? don't come on one of uh, Ron's self pleasure nights because they take a lot That's of space. That's exactly and time. when I can be there. I'm going to be. You learn a lot. Expect you'll learn a lot. All those candles. You know? Highly, highly recommend you come on a masturbation night, not on a self pleasure night. They're very different nights. Masturbation nights are more like <laughs> masturbation thirty seconds. I know. <laughs> I know what I, how I would like to land land the ship and and sign off here is by a. Uh, 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 thank you to you, Sam, because there was a moment, I, I think I thanked you on a voice memo, but yeah, I want to double, double down on that because I actually have a little bit more understanding um, right now um, and perspective on my story of life. And uh, after having, you know, four or five more months of showing up for myself and completing some challenging things and really uh, living more in my future and being more an authentic expression of myself here in this world. You know, I I'm look, I really was looking forward to engaging with you from that place. And one of the things that I wanted to say is, you know, my story wanted to take <clears throat> that story, my life story wanted to take the telling of this story that you and I and Ron and Reese are doing and be like, it's too much, you know, uh, for whatever reason or reasons. And that's I your called, old story, too. That's the old that's, story. Thank you, man. And I called you one day that's and you sad. and you. You called back, or I messaged you, and then you called back, and you were like, "You were like, this needs to happen still." And I mean, you, I was like, "You could do that, or <laughs> yeah, yeah." And you know, there's in people, some people's lives, when the world comes back and says, "No, do this," you still need to stand strong, right? Because you know yourself. But I, sometimes that's true, and sometimes that not. And in that case. You really opened a door into my future and said, how about you continue and how about we go this way instead? And I just am really grateful for that. And I really look forward to our next writing room meeting. And I think that it's going to be fun, productive, way less charged with my own baggage. And I think it's really going to be a catharsis and the, the beginning of the end of that story for us. Yeah, bring your bring your baggage, man. We can handle the baggage. You know, we'll be it'll be okay. It, it, <laughs> I appreciate you know, that. It's an honor to have been there in that moment to champion for you. That's something that I hope I find when I'm at my mm. moments. That when I am trying to turn down the hero's journey, that there is somebody there calling me to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? And so, what an honor to play that that character in that one scenario. And you know, maybe you get to return the favor down the road. Appreciate that, man. Yeah. Good to see you, Sam. Thanks for Good to see us. you. I can't yeah. wait to see your face in a couple of weeks, Ron. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. That's awesome. I'll call you. We'll get the dates set. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, you could you could call me back, man. You know, that'd be Maybe. Nice. It was funny, though. <laughs> I did take a week to call you back, though, so I feel like it was justified. But... <laughs> <laughs> Ron I did is, call back. I did call back. Ron has been a little. We used to message and voice memo and check in every day, and Ron's been Ron's been a little he different. It's a real big kid job, and all of a sudden he's too good. For right? Well, part Thank of it you. also is, Thank it, you, is I've been solo that. solo dadding it as well, and so the, oh nice between all that and being uh, Mr. Whatever. Mommy right now. Whatever, man. As Sam and I've also been uh, going on a uh, the Last of Us bender with my kids. And so nice. The, the oh, I haven't done that yet. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. uh, Love you both, you and um, yeah, maybe we uh, get back in the habit of like a, a morning uh, ritual, maybe like gratitude list or something small love and it. doable. I love it. But it, it'd be great to find a great way in between times to yeah. reconnect with you. Yeah. I'm, okay, man. I agree. I agree. 
always reminded how cool you guys are every time we hang out. Oh. Thanks, brother. All right, Take man. care. A lot of love for you, man. You too. Yes, I am. Love you guys. Yeah. He's a good dude, man. He is. Sam, He's got his own Sam is... I mean, I think that's maybe the best part. Of let's it, go straight it's, into. Let's go straight. This into is it. Place. It's happening. Oh hell yeah! It's happening. Hell yeah. yeah! We we all have our own shit, and I think when I I'm recognizing, I say it, it's easy for me to say it about people I don't know, but it's especially true when I when I allow myself to be uncomfortable for people I do know, which is when people aren't afraid of their messiness in their life. And, mm-hmm. and it plays and they allow it to play into their story. And then, and then they can advocate for other people's messiness in their life, which I think is what Sam has done pretty well. Like he's that yeah. when he, when you were just describing yeah, kind of that upper limiting experience and, um, and bring it all together. Yeah. It's, I'm so glad to know this guy. To just lose your train of thought. Is that what it looks like? No, it's time. it's more like there's more that I want to say. It's so much that I want to say that I don't want to like overwhelm my brain's my brain doesn't know what to do next. Oh, it's like when a dog when a dog has a hundred balls dropped in front of it, and it's like, oh, bzz. it's like you remember when I sent you? I don't know if I sent it to you or someone else, but there's this video of a hockey player in his house, and he has a little hockey goal set up in his oh yeah in his living room, and yeah. his German Shepherds, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. His German exactly Shepherds sitting there looking at, and he's got the guy at the, with the hockey, the hockey player, he's got 50 balls of all different colors, pucks, balls, things. And he's shooting them one after another into the goal from like 10 feet away. And his dog is the goalie. It, and the dog is fucking lasered in on the one black one. The one, yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, and dude, the dude is a good hockey player. You could tell, and he's whizzing them right by the dog's head, all going in the goal. He's just shooting, and the dog isn't flinching at all, man. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed, but he even he even hit the dog in the face with like the, the plush toy. Did he? Yeah, like the ones that are real <laughs> soft. <laughs> and then he slings that black one. Not, and he doesn't wait till the very end. He yeah. surprises the dog a little bit, and the dog snatches it out of the air, and then just strolls off like he's a fucking gangster. It's like that, but but not it's the opposite because i couldn't <laughs> i couldn't do it i couldn't bring it up. no i was i was trying to show the utter and complete opposite of what just happens with you <laughs> ron's like snatching three balls out of there he's like getting hit in the face he's trying to go after this one he's confused he's chasing his own tail did he just he runs up. Yeah. <laughs> probably. probably no i think you have probably a better ability to focus than you give yourself credit for oh for sure for sure how was that but, for you? You always ask me that question at the end of an episode. How was that for you? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it was perfect. I knew it would go great. I mean, I, I connect well with Sam. The only reason that Sam and I have had uh, conflict is because of what I said. Is I've had a lot of charged emotion around that story, and we were trying to tell it in a really professional, you know, long-form way. And, you know, I thought I was ready, and I thought I'd be fine. And, and it was just too much. And to if if you, this is your first time listening to this podcast, the story we're talking about is Daniel's story of witnessing his mother's assault and disappearance and sub, and and alleged murder uh, when he was four years old. We actually talk about that the very first episode, episode one. If you want to go back all the way back, but the baggage, to be clear, is not yeah. that. Yeah, that emotion, has, uh, that story. I have gone. To the, that's 
the the baggage I brought, and I know you know this, the baggage I brought to the writing room was around the failed attempts to tell that story over the last 10 years. Yeah. And yeah. some successful, you know, right. but it, it to tell it in its completion in long form, whether that be a book or a long form podcast, that those, those, that is a different beast. And that is what the, the lack of completion of the telling of that form of this story has held my life back significantly. Sam's been offering an, an opportunity to move my life forward. And I, I have been ready, uh, but I wasn't as ready as I thought I was. And, and that's clearly changed, you know, like, I'm just, it's going to be fun. It's going to be easy. We've done the hard work. Now let's go in there, close the deal, baby. Yeah. I agree. I'm looking for, as we were talking, I was like, damn, I can't wait get to get back down to, to San Antonio. Good, because, man. Yeah, yeah. I can tell it's going to have, it, it was already a pretty great time, but yeah. we're just all in different places now. Yeah. And I got to, I think, hand it to us for even making it start to happen. I mean, like the, the kind of against all odds, we started to get it happen. I mean, you know, you guys flew me down there. I mean, that was one thing that some barriers. Three times. Did we've done it three times? Twice. Two. Twice. Dude. Yeah. It was are so you going to be able to? It's so good. We felt it thrice. Are you going to be able to make it down again? Is that going to work? Or I are guess. We gonna... Sure. No, definitely. No, no really? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't even hear yeah. from you for months at a time these days. It's funny how a day or two goes by. And it's, it's like you. It's like you're. It's like you're. Just, you're uh, you, you dream in dog years. <laughs> I don't hear from Ron for like an hour and a half, and I'm just like, Is he dead? Grumpy and <laughs> worried, right? Yeah. I, I, I mean, coincidentally, my dog is dreaming in the other room right now. She's whining, but she's having a dream. This is like what you're doing. <laughs> Your dog falls asleep and then wakes up and gets mad at you because you haven't been hanging out with her, but it's been because she's been asleep. <laughs> that's that's similar to where I've been. No, no that's what's I'm just kidding. I, I, I'm not. I don't feel that way about you all, but I have been curious if, uh, if with your new life situations, if you are going to be able to, um, elbow at the time. Yeah, actually the, the, the great irony is that it actually creates more time in my life. <laughs> so, oh, it does. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty fantastic. Well, I'm looking forward to it big time. I think it's a huge, you know, again, we're talking about story and to go down there and really take the first steps in the last you know, in the finishing stretch, yeah. you know, yeah. that's, that's the idea that I, that's where I'm at with this, with telling this story for me is, and those are going to be the first strides down that finishing stretch of, of doing this. Yeah. And um, it doesn't have to be a grind, you know, the easiest race, the fastest race I ever ran as a runner uh, had the least pain. Really? I don't know why. And I've heard that story a lot. I think that's a, that's a big takeaway for me from this conversation today is, is the dedication, both of you in your different ways of saying it, your dedication to completing things in your life. Huge. And, and someone said to me a few years ago is, and I've heard this from a few different sources, um, to get really good at finishing things, you actually have to quit a bunch of other things. And, and if they're, it's like having too many, too many things going on in your life and which is so hard for me because I'm, I'm interested in a lot of stuff Yeah, and to have to say like, I'm not yeah. going back to that thing, which I would really love to do is tough. And, 
And I think I, I exercise that really well right now in this part, this stage of my life where I've started a new chapter in my business career and it feels great. And then I had, I literally had the access to go to all expense paid trip to Europe with my, with some of my family. Right. And, and I was like, I would love to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I would totally love to do that. That would feel amazing. And yet I know down in my bones that that is, that's a no for me right now. Yeah. And the gift that you gave yourself of all that time. Yeah. Oh, it's been when you, by not going, you know, I ran into one of my mentors, one of my professors. I had this show coming up, right? And because we're talking about finishing things. And I run into one of these professors and I go, Hey, are you going to be able to make my show? I would love it if you would come. And he goes, he goes, Oh, I'm there. He goes, I was already coming. And I said, Oh, that's awesome. He goes, when I heard this show and he's like, and I was on the committee that approved you to have this gallery slot. And I was, I was on like, the oh, committee I... that was like, I don't know if this is legit. For you, you were on the opposing committee. <laughs> <laughs> Such a dick. And he goes, he goes, he goes. And when I saw you applied, I, he goes, he goes, I knew this would be a show that would show up with polish and be ready, you know, it would be finished because a lot of people in, in art school, they'll show up with things to some extent done, you know, yeah. it's not a value of mine right now. And, and, uh, that meant that to him saying that with only knowing me for a year, I feel like, wow, I have a reputation as a person who closes the deal now in this new environment. You know, and that felt really good. Close your I really res coffee. respected myself a little bit more there, you know, so yeah. cheers to that. Cheers to that, man. I think that's uh, I think that's probably an under underestimated payoff in life is to finish strong on things like it. I, I'm sure there's certain people are like, what are you talking about? That's the most that's the greatest thing there is in life. And and yet I think most of us have made way too many promises to ourselves that we've not completed uh -huh. and that becomes normal. And it just feels like a normal way to live. Yeah. To like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do hundred pushups every day. I'm going to eat well. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to do self-pleasure versus math, whatever it is. Yeah. But then we break the promise really fast because the long-term payoff doesn't happen or we, where we break or whatever it might be. There's a gazillion reasons why. And if you, but if you get enough completions under your belt, you know, you tally up enough of them, you start to go, oh, oh, this is why we do this. There's so much there, man. Well, I read, uh, what's that guy's name? Sad, not Sadguru. I can't remember his name. He's the guy who wrote the book that I also can't remember. Awesome. Wow, man. It's on man, you're, are you just Sapiens. about to make some shit up? <laughs> you're going to just say it, whatever you got to make up. It's fine. Noah Harari. Uh, he wrote Sapiens. Okay, I'm, I'm I don't getting know his if name that's a little true bit. or not, but we'll see. <laughs> well, that name you is could not say quite anything. right. Yeah, but his name is Harari, and he wrote the book *Sapiens*. And in that book, he talked about he chronicles the waking up of the, and the evolution of the human brain. And one of the first, one of the things that happened that made us distinctly the way we are now is we started to be able to perceive the future. You know, we started to see the future as something separate than now, and so we started to understand that if we saved a nut. And then we saved another nut that this was creating time in the future. And that was huge. So that's delayed gratification, right? Yuval Noah Harari. Thank you. Yeah. And so he, so that's the same thing. You know, we go, uh, Andrew Huberman talks about this. If you go to the gym one day, there are no, other than the endorphin release and the good feeling that there, there's no physical look 
change. That happens over time. So that's engaging that exact same part of our brain that woke up and started saving nuts for the next spring. It's like, I know if I do this thing over and over and over that I will be in a different place later. So that's what we do. And we have to ignore the fact that when we go to the gym that one time, other than the feeling of endorphins release and knowing we did it, that the payoff that we can't really see if we wrap it out, we're going to see it and we're going to see it over time. That's the nudging of the nose yeah. of the plane one degree and 10 years later, you're a thousand miles west of where you would have been. Yeah. And, you know, I think this is really important in the telling of our stories is what are those little character changes that we can do that we can make that if we make them over there a long time, you know, we'll change our story. We'll change our end. Yeah. And if finishing I can, things is one of those things for me. Finishing things is a big one. It's a real big one. And I, and I, and if I could wave a magic wand over all of our listeners and myself, it would be two, it would be for two things to land on, on folks. One is finishing things. And two is, is dramatic change actually comes from a, from a hundred different minor adjustments. And rather than one, one like machete cut through our life. Well, if they last though, if you do them, rep them out. You, that's what I mean. Is like, it's, it's yeah. a continual adjustments. It's the yeah. nose on the plane. You can't just set the bearing. You have to like make a gazillion adjustments <laughs> I just along said this, the way. I you know? said this image where if like you make, you make one change in your life. That's like a nudge of the plane nose and you're like, hell yeah. But then you make another change and you don't know it. It moves that nose right back. <laughs> there's a, there's a saying in archery. And I, and I, I'm in a new, I'm in a new style of archery called bear bow, which is, you know, it's just, it just looks like what you would imagine. If you could draw Shoot a bow, naked. if you could draw a bow, this is what it would look like. And yet there's, there are adjustments that can be made on that bow. So that like blow my mind. I just, it, it's like kind of annoying wow. how complicated it can get. And there's a, there's a, there's a little saying in that world, which is you change one thing, you change everything. And, and so if you make this adjustment, you have to make nice. other adjustments in your life to compensate for it, but they're positive adjustments. Or you just make that one change and know that everything in your life just got tugged a little and might yeah. feel a little bit different. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's that, I like that. I like that saying. Yeah. All right, man, let's wrap this up. Love it. Get the fuck out of here. Let's do some more work. Words. Let's do Let's keep doing some stuff with Sam. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> Absolutely. Let's tell yeah. a story. Yeah. Let's finish a story. Let's finish a story with Sam. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. All right. Man.